I'm Lisa Hansen, and I am the founder of Viking Martial Arts. Um, we provide martial arts training to children of all abilities. So we have kids that could be in a wheelchair. We have kids that don't need a wheelchair. Whatever it is, we focus our classes individually to each student that's there. Hello, Miss Lisa. Um, hi. Hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> I was like, I go, did my audio stop working? Um, <laughs> I, all right, so for anyone, for everyone that's listening, um, I, I've known Lisa for years. I know her for years, but I don't know her, which is kind of cool. We volunteer at a bereavement camp for kids every summer for exactly a weekend. And it is, um, let's see, this summer will be my eighth year. And I know Lisa only because I see her and I see her with the kids and I see her with like doing martial arts. And I've like look, chopped into wood myself, um, which although she says it doesn't hurt, it hurts sometimes, it, depending, <laughs> on how, depending on how you hit it. Um, but I don't know you. I don't know you, but I, like, it's kind of weird. I know you, but I don't know you. And of course, Facebook gives you a lot of other like, like openings to your life where your family is gorgeous. I know, I know your husband because he volunteers. Your family is gorgeous. The wedding's gorgeous. Who, who, who knew you, when you dress up, my friend, what, hot, you're so, you are sexy hot when you dress up, but we don't see that when we're at a camp. So no, we've got zero sleep and we're looking for coffee. <laughs> coffee, candy, like anything yeah. that we can. And we're only there for 48 hours, which is shocking how much food and how much candy and how many caf how much caffeine we intake in 48 hours. Um, but that's one thing that we do. But before anyone knows what about your business, about the bereavement, about anything, we need to understand who Lisa is. I always tell people, in order to understand a business and where it came from, we need to understand the human being behind it. So take me to where you came from, um, like where, where you were raised, where you came from, all the way to um, your first martial arts class. Hmm. So I was born in Illinois. Um, my father is, was a business owner. So I grew up in a town where everybody knew my father. My father was known as the Viking in town. He owned Viking office supply. And that's why we are Viking martial arts in honor of my father who passed away a couple of years ago. Um, he was an excellent businessman, but he was a huge supporter of the community. And I try to follow in his footsteps and what I do. Um, I took my first, I actually never thought I would be a black belt. It was not on my spectrum of things to do. I'm a mother of four children. I was very busy volunteering in all the schools and doing all that, but I like to work out. So um, I was taking a kickboxing class. And wait, wait, I'm going to pause you. I'm going to pause you for a second. There's a huge gap between oh. your dad and the black belt. Okay. Huge gap. Back. So, so you got to tell, you got to fill in the space. You have to fill in the space in between too. Okay. So I married my husband, um, Jamie, and we've moved from Washington state to California to Pennsylvania. We've been everywhere. And we finally settled here in Massachusetts. Um, we raised four children. Uh, they are all grown up now married. I have a grandbaby coming, which is really exciting in June. We're over the moon. Um, so yeah, so I was, before I had children, I was a special education teacher in Washington state. And Did that's you, where I got my love of teaching. Well, I was going to ask you, um, uh, when you were in, so the Illinois kid, how, I mean, like, mm -hmm. I mean, like, how did you get to the point where, I mean, when did you meet Jamie and when did you leave Illinois? Because I mean, from Illinois, oh, do you have all day? <laughs> yeah, it, well, we're here for a little bit. So this is why where I'm like, I always tell people, I'm like, oh, you could go right to the business, but I'm going to keep stopping you because. We need to understand who you are before we understand what the business is. So, I mean, being in New England, New England people are, we're creatures of habit. I mean, I was raised, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, but I was raised in New England. And I go, and I've traveled, I've, I've lived in, like, I've, I've, like, I dated someone on the West Coast. So basically I was on the West Coast a lot. I lived in Texas. Um, I've lived in Australia, Ireland. I always come back home. I mean, we're creatures of habit. But, it, it, like, but when you're in other, other countries, I hear the same thing that people tend to be creatures of habit. And when you end up in New England, people always say, especially Massachusetts, people always say, you guys are really like tough. I'm like, we're tough. But once we love you, we love you forever. I go, we, we bring you in. So how did the Illinois girl end up traveling to all these different places? 
But what was that first moment when you left and what did you think when you left? Um, I left because I married Jamie. We met in Northern Wisconsin at the campground that we both went to as children. And uh, he came back after he had graduated from West Point and I was going into college. He thought I was a little bit older um, and we fell in love instantly. We, we have a battle between the two of us. It was at five seconds and I say, no, I knew in three seconds, we're always kind of one-upping each other. Um, but it was really, truly love at first sight. And to be together, I had to move across the country to Washington State. He was in the army at Fort Lewis. And at 20 years old, I packed up everything I owned and moved to Washington State as a new bride uh, just to be with him. So did you leave college or did you continue with college? I finished my second year of college and then immediately started and did my junior and senior year at Seattle University. Nice. Seattle, like that. Okay, very cool. What was your major? Uh, Special education. Oh, perfect. Okay, now it's all coming together. See, this is why I ask because everything connects. So how was it for you when you were like, I mean, so you went from Illinois to to Washington State and then where, Mm -hmm. where after that? Uh, We moved down to California. Jamie got out of the military and took a job with a a semiconductor company in San Jose, California. Mm -hmm. So we moved down there. We had Matthew when we lived there. And we were not California people. What was was it it about California? We liked the change of the weather and the seasons and not having a postage size backyard, like the little stamp backyard. Like it was... We, we need our space. So the first job opening out of California with the same company was Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and we took it in a second. Uh-huh. So then now, we you're going, to- now you're coming back to the Northeast, which is cool. So like mm-hmm. you're like coming back in that, in that area. Why did you guys, I mean, like the job brought you there, but did you ever have thoughts about going back to Illinois? I always thought we'd get back to Illinois. I really did. I always just thought, okay, this is where we're writing it out for now, but eventually we're going to get back home be with our families and it just never happened. He got transferred up here to Boston. I said, Boston was the last place on earth that I would ever move to because like you said, people here have a reputation and we moved and I never moving again. <laughs> never do, never moving again because the whole time move was just so much or, or it was like the, the, the fact that, you start to fall in love with the place because this is home. This is home. I and love our, it. Our children are all settled here too. So, you know, it would be hard to leave now that our kids are settled and have homes of their own and jobs. And so Matthew was, well, say, Matthew was born in, in, um, in California, California. And so the other three, were they born all in new England? In, in Massachusetts, Bethlehem, or, Pennsylvania. And so all three of them. So, so they were, they were so young that they didn't even realize when they came to here. Anna remembers Bethlehem, but Catherine and Andrew don't. They were too little. Yep. Very, very good. Okay. So then, so now, all right. So now look, I, I, we have a feel of exactly where you've been. You've gotten a taste of all, you've gotten a taste of all the points of, um, of the United States. Um, you've found that love up here. You've raised your family. Now, the education of like, where, do you, where what happens now? Now that we live in in Boston well, area, well, or well, no, well, you you raised your kids, you, you raised oh. your kids, you have your degree, you finished your degree. So now, like, talk to me from the degree to the point where the martial arts comes in. Okay, so um, I was taking a kickboxing class, and Jiho was in the class, and she said to me, "You're really good." And I was like, mm, "What?" Like, wasn't on my radar at all. And she said, you should really come and try the Taekwondo class. And I was like, okay. So I did instantly fell in love with the art. And uh, my goal was to get my black belt for my 40th birthday. That's what I told myself. I was going to give myself this amazing gift on my 40th and get my black belt. So wait, and so when you were, when you first started, how old were you? And how long was did it take 36. to take a black belt? You're 36. So 36. how long does it, how long does it, because like, I mean, there's, I, you always see kids going into martial arts and they have a white, the white belt and they just like progress, but then they stop. I mean, it's, it's very rare that I ever see kids go on to get their black belt. So uh, like you started at 30, you said 36. 
Um, mm-hmm. What kept you going to get to the point where you got your black belt? That goal that I set for myself, I told myself for my, it's going to be the coolest birthday present I could ever give myself is a black belt. And uh, so I trained hard. I trained five days a week for four years. Like I wasn't just taking one class a week and, you know, did it in four years. I trained five days a week and got my first degree black belt the month of like two weeks after my 40th birthday. Wow. Um, Most people don't have that time. I mean, like, that's like, I mean, when, I mean, I, I run marathons. I mean, I have Chicago marathon coming up in October and I know I'm kind of like, you know, I go out for a walk, I go out for a run. I'm like, I'm kind of like coasting right now, but I know that six month mark when I can't play around anymore, it's a full on training. Um, but I, but when it's the marathon, I mean, I'm not one of those people where I'm running every single day when I'm training, I'm training, but when I'm not, I'm not. Cause I give my, t- my body the time to rest Four years, five days a week. That's a lot. And, and that right there would intimidate most people. <laughs> I mean, you, you obviously people can take a lot longer, but I just had that goal in my head that mm-hmm. I was going to get it for my 40th. So I pushed myself to make Is sure that-, that I achieved that goal. Where did you get that? I mean, like, where did you get that whole entire concept? Because I mean, again, like I just said, that's a large commitment. Um, and even just in regards of like your dad was a businessman, but I mean, where did you get that? Was it from your dad? Like I go, or were you always like that as a kid where once I have my eyes set on something, I'm going after it full throttle? Kind of funny. Cause I wasn't that way as a kid. I didn't get that way until I met my husband. What? He's very driven. I mean, he went to West Point, right? He runs right. marathons like you. Like he's a very driven person. Uh-huh. And he made me have those goals and to be driven too. I love it because that's one of the things where most people I talk to or encounter, they always talk about how it came. It's like it's part of the DNA. It's just like I go, whether you either you have it or you don't. And just to know that it can you can acquire it from someone. I go and Again, the true love where are you, is he supporting you in doing things or are you just watching and you're like, okay, uh, like I have this in me too. And I'm just going to bolster up because it, it's, it's one of those moments where people always say like, I go, well, it's easy to say someone t- someone's pushing you, but you still have to have it in you. I did. I mean, obviously it was in me somewhere, but I never was like a great student. I never, you know, had any big drive until I met him. So that, and for me, that's shocking to even hear knowing what I see in you. That's like, it blows my mind to even know that's even the case because every <laughs> single time I see you, it's just like, I go, you're like, I'm not even playing around kind of a situation, but that's what I've seen in you all these years. And just to hear that, I'm like, I go, that's crazy. And, and if someone told me that I'm like, that's not, Lisa, you're not talking about Lisa. That's, I don't know that person that you're talking about. So I love that you found that way. You found it in you, which was really great. Um, you did in the four years. So now you have your black belt. You have mm-hmm. your black belt. You've done your four, four years. You hit your goal. What happened next? Um, I started teaching part-time at our studio just because I love teaching. So it was a perfect fit for me and just fell in love with my students. Um, I still have some of those very beginner students. He's way taller than me now and, and has like a size 14 foot something ridiculous and I like he was one of my first students when he was three and I still do private lessons with him um I become part of the family you know and uh so I started teaching a little bit doing some outside programs for Bob who is my instructor and uh just kind of started growing my part of the business you know I was still always part of his business but um, getting more involved with children with special needs and doing that kind of stuff out on my own. What was it important? Like, uh, what you, you were mentioning the, the, the children with special needs, and I, um, unless it's the Paralympics, which is the, by far my favorite part of the Olympics on so many different levels. Um, I was in charge of Special Olympics when I was in high school for three years. And so it's always been my focal point where anyone and everyone can accomplish a goal if they really want to. So, where, how did these kids find you or the, the, the studio and why, well, how did you connect the dots? Because you took, you did special ed when you were in school and now you have the martial arts. How did you bring them together? It just like, it just happened. Um, somebody needed a program at Perkins school 
for the blind. They were doing like an after school program. And I happened to know somebody who knew somebody that connected us. And I went and taught to five students in their after school program. And I just knew. I remember coming, I remember coming home and saying to my husband, like, they don't even have to pay me to do this. I love it so much that I would drive to Perkins School just to do this for free. Like it just was so amazing. And uh, unfortunately, and then I started teaching um, at Cotting School too in Lexington. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately with the pandemic, all those programs have been shut down and they don't allow outside people into the buildings right now. So I haven't seen those kids in almost two years. Why did the school feel that they needed to bring that in? bring in martial arts anyway. I mean, yes, it's an activity, but there's so many different activities. I mean, I know a lot of people have volunteered at those schools as well. Um, why special, I mean, why martial arts? I mean, in my mind, I can answer the question, but I want to hear from you. Why do schools thought it was needed? What did the kids get out of it? And how did you sit there and change the, the tasks? Like, how did you change like teaching them, knowing whether it's, a, they're in a, whether I'm in a wheelchair, whether I'm blind, whether like there's whatever, um, the what whatever disability that the individual had, how did you alter the education of teaching martial arts? Good question. Um, in the beginning, I was clueless. <laughs> I do have a mentor who lives in Vermont that actually met her through one of the people from our camp. Okay. She knew her and put us together. And she has been doing this for a very long time. So Kathy became my mentor and gave me like a few, like, try this, try this, try this. And then I went in with my backpack of stuff that she told me to do and it worked. Um, Each kid is so different, especially in those situations that, you know, I have kids that are completely able to do the whole class. And I have kids that for four weeks, I just try to make a fist and get them to touch the bag. Mm-hmm. And when they do, like, we're all screaming and crying and, you know, like, it, martial arts is so empowering to everyone. I mean, you know it, right? You break the board and you feel yeah. empowered, right? Yeah. So it's just such an empowering um, sport for at all ages, all abilities. I mean, I have this little three-year-old kid that is the cutest thing that's walked on this planet and you know, he can break a board, he can, you know, do all these things. And uh, it really gives them a self of uh, self confidence, mm-hmm. purpose. So yeah. Well, I was gonna say one of the things that um, I feel that soccer and martial arts are two things that parents put their kids in early. Doesn't last, but it, they put it in, they put their kids in early. Um, Martial arts, from what I can see, it builds, it definitely, you just mentioned it, it builds self-confidence. Um, kids are getting picked, picked on at school. They're being bullied. Um, just for them to understand who they are as a person, just building that self-worth um, and being able to protect themselves. So I was always so surprised in regards of, not surprised, I shouldn't say the word surprised, but it was just I'm more curious in regards to, you see these kids, they're learning these skill sets, they're being bullied in school. One of the biggest things that you're, that is taught from what I've seen is that you're teaching yourself to defend yourself, but you're not going out there to pick fights or to be aggressive with other individuals. Um, how does one take all those lessons? And even when they leave you, where does it go from there? I mean, you just mentioned you have a, a student that you've had since they were three and they've, they, he's now how old is he? 16. 16 years old. But you have all these people that you're in their families. Um, they've probably all had different situations of why they, they come to you. How do you get that mindset of, okay, I've been bullied. I'm like, I'm really, really just feeling in despair. I'm coming in here. I'm learning all these different skills. How do you break that moment of, I am not going to, I have to sit down and teach this kid to protect themselves, to learn the skills, to learn the, 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 um, the essence of martial arts, but you can't use this. You can't use this to show people like I can sit there and take you on or pick a fight. How does where does that come? Because kids are just so young and they're still developing. And when you're in that situation, it's do or die, fight or flight. Yeah, it's a hard one. And I've really struggled with it because I don't want to promote violence. Um, so 
I don't say like the bad guy when we're doing stuff. I say it's the big bad wolf. It takes it to a whole different place, right? Yep. It's the big bad wolf. You got to get the big bad wolf before it blows your house down. And I mean, I was always afraid of the big bad wolf when I was little, right? But it's, you're not saying the bad guy. So I'm making it more like, here's your situation. The big bad wolf's going to blow it on your house. What are you going to do to stop them? And hopefully that translates to when they actually hopefully never need to use it. Um, but they'll have the skills ready. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, 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 it's tr- it, it does make sense. Um, I think that's one of the things in my mind. I always wonder, like, like when does the person get, when does the person gets pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed? But, and they have these skills and how do you, how do you, what's being taught to them? Where like, I go, no matter how much I'm being pushed, I have to be able to contain it. And that's where I'm, I always wonder like, how do they stop themselves from like, really just like using their skills? We, we work a lot on control, mm-hmm. power and control. Those are two components of Taekwondo, right? Um, okay. You have the power now, but now you have to learn the control piece. And we work a lot on that. We have a lot of mat talks where we talk about it you know, at the beginning of class, like where you can use it, where you can't use it, where, you know, can't use it. I always say to the littles, like, can't use it on your goldfish, can't use it on your hamster, <laughs> like trying to get them to, you know, see that it's only used in this space and we only use it for good. So I love, I, I do love that. I go, because again, for, and I'm sure they're giggling while you're saying it, thinking I would never use this on my hamster. What are you talking right. about? What are you talking about? When did you decide that it was time to move on from Bob to come to your own studio? The pandemic helped me. Um, our studio shut down the first month of the pandemic. Um, and I miss those kids. Like, like I said, they're like my family, you know, like some of those kids are so near and dear to my heart. And I, all I could think about is what are they going through right now? They're stuck at home. Everything they love have been, has been taken away. They can't possibly understand. I didn't understand what was going on. How do they understand what's going on? So immediately I figured out Zoom. I didn't know what Zoom was and started teaching lessons in my basement on Zoom. And I had to rethink all the ways you learn Taekwondo because they're staring at a screen. Mm-hmm. So we used paper we use stuffed animals we use pillows we use plastic cups we use anything that I knew that they already had at home because we couldn't go to the store right and we did taekwondo and it was so great to see all their little faces on the screen you know once or twice a week and we saw each other there was our class right We, we were all still here we were all good we're still learning and uh that really got me through those first couple months. I looked forward every day to seeing those little faces on the screen and uh, did private lessons with children, you know, via Zoom. Um, were, they to, were they able to comprehend it the same way? I mean, because I think that, I mean, I, I, mean, I have international clients, so being on screen has never bothered me. I mean, it takes, it takes a lot to bother me. And I, the, the, there were a lot of people just complaining just to complain. Um, but did they comprehend like the, I mean, like they're watching you, but when they're in, like when they're face to face with you, like in real time, you're able to move their arms. You're like, you're able to see if they're like, their, uh, their posture is right. If their feet are right, so you're able to see and move it. Were they able to self-direct knowing that they were only on screen and still yeah. be able to do it? Yes, they were. We got, we, we maybe got a little careless with our stances because they were in a small room and they couldn't do their full stances. Yep. And I noticed when I started seeing them in person, their stances were shorter. And I was like, oh, yeah, because you were going to run into your bed. So you couldn't do your full stance. So we have <laughs> we had to work through that. We've had to work through like our breathing and our key upping mm-hmm. because we've been in these masks. Right. And so I didn't want kids like breathing and key upping like in the beginning of the pandemic when we finally got to be together outside. Um, so I wasn't I'm, now we're trying to get that back in. Right. Yeah. But my major goal was just for them to know that the world continues and that we have perseverance and keep moving, right? Mm-hmm. Something to look forward to every week. And uh, it went from Zoom to my driveway. Yep. And then I went all over the countryside and picked up as many Wave Master bags as I could find a marketplace 
or people were giving them to me for free. So each kid had their own bag. So they had yeah. their own station. So they were six feet apart. Mm-hmm. Right. And I have a collection of bags in my basement that you wouldn't believe now. Like <laughs> I have more bags than I know what to do with. Um, and we got too big for my driveway. And how many kids at that point? I started on Zoom. I started with about 20 students. Okay. When I moved to my driveway, I was at 50 students in total. Okay. And then I, I don't know. I don't I know like, how big your driveway is, but 50 students at six feet apart. Wow. Well, the cl- that was the class sizes where I kept around 12. Okay. I had 14 bags. So the biggest class I could have was 14. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. But I had several classes. And then um, I was also running to Brookline and doing private lessons outside in people's homes. Okay. Wow. So we were seeing each other face to face outside and doing private, there's small groups of kids that live nearby. Cause I had two programs in Brookline that had shut down too. Parents um, must've been elated just to have something for the kids to do. Very much so. Very much so. And uh, so after I got too big for my, driveway the people in Sudbury have been so gracious to me helping me find outdoor space because the family still wouldn't go inside yep so we were outside through the winter (laughs) um have you ever done taekwondo in the snow and snow boots before it's something (laughs) I'm like like, I've never I've never I go I'm I mean again I run in the snow so but, and I know what I'm packing on while I'm running when it's five degrees snow. So I can imagine. Yeah. These kids are true warriors. They really like, no one complained. Nobody like, we just kept doing it. We loved it. Right. So we just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And uh, so we just in January finally went into an indoor space. Hallelujah, because I did not want to spend the entire winter outside. We, we spent December outside, but then I didn't want to deal with ice and cold and trying to make calls with the snowstorms, and it was too much. So we found an indoor space that was great for us, um, but I lost 40% of my students when I went inside. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Parents just weren't ready, and the big uptick in COVID around Christmas, and so I lost 40% of my students at the at, in the fall, I was up to 180 students total between Sudbury and Brookline. Because you were still outside. Because we were still outside. We were still outside. And then um, when I went indoors in January, I, I lost one program in Brookline um, because they're not doing an after-school program this session because of COVID uptick. And um, I lost 40% of my students here in Sudbury because they wouldn't go inside. Parents say they're coming back. We'll be well, there, but- well, the thing is, I go now, I mean, so in Marblehead, I mean, the high school as of today, um, and I go, uh, as of today, uh, no more masks, because we're at 80% vaccinated. Um, and that was the biggest thing where other towns were like, I, I was seeing on Facebook how people are like, I go, but look, Marblehead's taking off the mask. I'm like, we're 80% vaccinated, though. So don't pick us. We like really were like, like, it was the kids started basically going after each other. And also a lot of kids are in sports. They can't go to the other town without being vaccinated. So it, it, it just kind of happened where a lot of kids play sports here. A lot of people are in the arts or in theater and they can't go to other towns without showing that they've been vaccinated. And so it was, it, it was a no brainer at one point. Um, so this is why I feel like the numbers will go back up where your number, the people will like, okay, more and more places are taking masks down. And I think it'll be easier as we ease into the spring, which hopefully, and hopefully during um, our, like the, the kids' vacations is not an uptick. So we will see right. on that part. Um, right. I'm going to pause on the, on the actual skill of the business. And I'm going to go to the actual starting the business. When did you decide to cross over? Because you could have worked for someone else, many other people for quite some time. Um, you're seeing this mass exit. I mean, like where, where all we're reading about is max ex, mass exit of people leaving their jobs. I mean, 10, over 10 million people have now lot, left high paying jobs to do something else, whether it's getting a new job, whether it's starting their own business, whether it's just like trying to figure out where their own spaces are just to, just like, I'm, I'm done with working. I'm like, I'm going to give back by mentoring. Why did you believe that this was the time to actually start your own thing? Cause you could have done this years ago 
and yeah, the pandemic kind of like probably like was a, was definitely the push, but what made it where it was the most enticing for you? Number one. And what was the hardest part of doing it? Because starting a business is not for the faintest of heart. So what did you, why did you find, why did you believe it was that time? And what was the hardest part about doing it? I knew it was time because I wanted to keep the students together. I didn't want to lose them to other schools. I didn't want them to stop doing Taekwondo. So I knew it was, my husband's been telling me for years, you should start your own business. But I could never go against Bob because he was my instructor. He was, you know, I'm very, very loyal to him. And I could never have started a martial arts school with him in the same town, like Mm -hmm. never. Um, So it just, it organically happened. It really did. Like I didn't attend when I started the Zoom thing for it to turn into this full-time business for me. Um, but little by little word got out and more students came and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And each time, you know, I added more students, I was out searching for those wave master bags because now I got two more students and I'd be like, Oh gosh, I got to get two more bags because I got two more kids coming, you know? Um, so every time I, I set it up so that we went by like six or eight week sessions because the world was constantly changing. Yep. I didn't want people to make a financial commitment when I couldn't commit that I could provide for that. Right. Mm-hmm. So my friend told me, dear friend of mine said, just let this grow organically. Don't push it. Don't try too hard. Just as it starts to grow, just keep, you know, making it bigger, better, but don't try to get too big too fast, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like when we moved out of my driveway, I had to take those bags with me, right? So then we are now the proud owners of a utility trailer. <laughs> so we could put all the bags on the utility trailer and I would drive through town with all the Wave Master bags in the back and unload them all onto the field. And at the end of the night, my older students would help me get them all back on the utility trailer back to our house. Um, so each time I had to, you know, when it started getting dark at four o'clock and we were in my driveway, we had to go out and purchase all these floodlights so we could see, like, we have quite a collection of stuff. Like every, every session there was a new challenge, right? Um, when we were in the field, there was no power, there's no electricity. So we had to buy a little generator so we could run the lights so the kids could see, like, it was, it was this crazy ride where we just had to keep thinking outside the box, right? How are we going to make this work? How is it going to be safe and be successful? And somehow we managed to do it. I, I did every time I thought of something, I just went back to Drew's words and it was like, just let it grow organically. Like, okay, then we need a utility trailer if we're going to grow. Right. My kids are happy. We have a utility trailer now though. (laughs) What, we could what, use what, it for camp too, probably. Honestly, I was gonna say you totally could. Um, yeah. Where's Bob? He uh, started another business, doing okay. something different. So yeah, he's still around town. So it was safe. All right, because because like, like, when you were saying that, you would never ever like, um, you'd never like compete against Bob. And you were talking, I'm like, what happened to Bob? So 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 Bob was like 100. percent like he had your back. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's, that's been, I think that's one of the things that people are so apt not to start anything because they have a mentor, they have a, a guy, they have someone that's been teaching them and, but they want to go on their own. I mean, I know a young lady that she had been working at a retail store for many years and she really wanted to open her own place. And she's like, I can't, I go, I just can't do it because I want to, but I can't do it because I would be competing in the same location. And it just would, it just thinks, and, but you go to work miserable every single day, just thinking I can do this. I do this already. I can do this for myself and I know how much this business makes. And yet I'm getting a sliver of it when I know it could just totally be mine. So I think that's one of the things where people are finding it hard. Like it's, it's being and believing in what you do, but being loyal. It's like that crossroad of where do I go and how do I navigate that world? Yeah, um, absolutely. I was going to say to you, um, when you, like, I mean, when the pandemic started, um, you were running this business, you're, you're, you're like, you're, I shouldn't say you're running this business yet, but you were running 
the, the, the task of finding these kids and making sure that you had all the different tools for them. Um, then you decide to grow the business. How are you taking care of you and your family? Because you, you do have kids. They're adult kids, but you do have kids. You have a husband. You're in a pandemic. Besides that work part, how was it that you were able to take care of you and navigate yourself during this time? Because we're going into year three of having, it's like, it's crazy where I, I remember I was in Mexico and I was on a stage and people were like, what's happening in America with the toilet paper? I'm like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> and I got back here within literally days of the governor shutting down the state. And I was like, huh, look at this. This is, this is weird. But I thought it was going to be two weeks, like two, three oh, weeks. We all did, yeah. So then we're like, now we're going into year three. How have you been able to juggle all the things that you're doing? Like, I mean, work, creating a business, husband, kids, being a grandma sooner. I mean, like all of this, how has it been for you? Good news is I'm a really good multitasker, really good multitasker. Um, so, you know, like today I, I got to go teach and I've already pre-made dinner because Anna and her husband are going to be here. And I had that set this morning so that it all works out. Um, I did make a commitment kind of to myself that I wouldn't let this get, wouldn't let it get before my family, get before my husband, get, but there were times where I had to choose the business because it's the business, right? Mm -hmm. um, not many, but a couple times where, you know, I really wanted to do this, but I have this business. I have this responsibility. I have people paying me for a service that I have to make sure that I can do. Um, were they understanding? Because I think that's one of the things where, where, when you have, actually, be, before I say what I'm what I'm going to say, I'm just going to ask you, were they understanding during, during those My times? family? Oh, absolutely. They've been behind me a hundred percent. My son, Matthew is my web person. Um, Jamie is our business person. Um, my daughter, Catherine, this is so cool. She's a black belt. She lives in Washington, D.C., and she ran some of my classes online for me when I got so big and I couldn't handle all the classes. She was teaching for me online in D.C. Uh -huh. while I was here teaching at the same time. So it's really a family business. It really is. Like, we've all had our hand in it. My son, Andrew, builds. I do ninja classes on the weekends, and he builds all the equipment that we use for the ninja class. Oh, I should bring that to camp. That would be <laughs> um, So... You know, it's all hands on deck. Haley, Andrew's girlfriend, she does all of my logo wear. Like, so we're we're a team, and my kids are super proud of me. So, I I I'm, I mean, I'm so happy and I'm so elated for you because I mean, I think that's like the the what I was gonna say before you answer the question was there's so many times that people go into a uh, a passion that they have and they don't have that support, whether they can't find the mentors or they can't find a, a proper group. Or their family, their, or their family, like just doesn't understand. Like, why are you doing this? Or you have friends that are like, "Well, you're such a smart person. Why don't you get a real job?" And so people don't understand when you're like, you have such love for something, and then you are making it grow. And when, it, and of course, you have the naysayers, like, because when it goes well, they're like, "Oh my God, I knew you're gonna do well. I knew it." <laughs> Always the case. Um, when you're looking at the industry itself in regards of not just martial arts, but just activities for kids, um, activities for adults. There are so many of them. I mean, gyms were open, they were closed. They were open, they were closed. Um, there are the paint classes, like painting and wine drinking. There's so many activities that are out there. When do we get to a point where, and this is just asking your opinion, because you're, this is your industry now of, you're part of that. Like, I'm paying you for that service. I'm paying you to learn a new skill. I'm paying you to sit there and empower myself to be a better person. Um, do you think it's going to go higher in regards to more people are going to be engaging these, like taking on skills to, to be better? Or are they going to like start peeling back where once the world gets open again, eh, it's less of a desire. I may not go anymore. Where, where do you see the industry itself in regards of those activities, the activities, the world that you're in going in the future? That's a really good question because when I was the only thing going, right, like last summer, nothing else was going. No group sports, no, I, I couldn't take, the, I had so many kids, I didn't even know what to do with them, right? Mm -hmm. And then once soccer started and lacrosse started again and football, I saw my numbers start to drop. 
mm-hmm. with kids that were already taking classes. So as the world was beginning to open up and my husband had prepared me for this, he was like, once it starts opening up these kids that have been doing martial arts three days a week, cause that's all there is to do yep. are going to start choosing other sports and definitely lost a lot of kids back to what their original sport was. But we also gained a bunch of kids. It's this weird ebb and flow that I'm finding where, you know, each session I lose three kids or four kids, but then I gain six kids. Like, and maybe that's, I haven't been in the martial arts industry as an owner that long, yep. but I'm assuming that's kind of how it works, right? Because like you said, a lot of kids take it, but they never get to black belt, right? Yep. So um, it's probably like in any industry, kids are just floating around trying to find their fit, right? What are they good at? What are they succeeding at? And I hope that in my classes, all the kids feel like they're succeeding. What is the percentage of people overall that get their black belt? Because I, because it's less than one percent of the world's population that runs a marathon, and and everyone's like, well, there's a lot of people that that are out there running the marathons. Like, well, it's the same people. We're the same people. <laughs> they go, we all, we just like we once we once you do one, I go, I, I, I shouldn't say that. Once you do two, you're doing it again. Um, the one people usually like if you do one, you're just like it's one and done. But yeah, if you, once you fit two, you kind of want to do more of them. So it's less than 1% of the world's population. So for you, what is the percentage of individuals that get black belts? I actually don't know that answer. That is a good question. I'm going to have to look that up, Jody. Oh, I'm, uh, you know, and I look forward to hearing that answer one day. So this is good because I really definitely want to know that. Um, but also in regards of martial arts isn't just for kids. So switching to adults, how many adults do you have um, that you're, that you've worked with? Um, but also more companies are adding martial arts for their employees. It's not just for an actual activity. A lot of employees are working late at night and they, and a lot of women especially are constantly concerned where like, I need, I, if, if I'm attacked in the parking lot, a dark parking lot, I'm working late. Am I going to sit and have that mindset of pulling out my mace out of my, my, out of my bag and remember just open, unlock it and then spray to the person. Um, and of course me, I remember Oprah Winfrey doing a show years and years and years ago. And like, just don't let them get like kick and scream, do whatever you got to do, but never go to the second location. Never let yeah, them get to the Yeah, I remember that second. episode too. And she said, even if you have to crawl underneath the car. Yep. Like, never I go remember to- that episode. And, and I, that, that's that was a good one. With me. Yeah, never ever go to the, because the second location, if you get to the second location, you're dead or yeah. hurt. Um, so that's what the, I tell my kids, like, just run because you're, you're not going with them. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, and I, I think of her like, when I tell them that too. That's so funny. <laughs> I always say, I would say if, if you're going to take my life, let it be known. They're going to catch you because your DNA is going to be underneath my fingernails. Cause I'm fighting as small yeah. as I am. I'm, I'm full on fighting. Um, we are in a world where we, this is like this constant. I mean, like it's uh, when people say like, say to me, they're like, I go, when you go running, where do you go running? You go, well, I go running in my town. It doesn't matter. And they're like, I go, and I go early in the morning, late at night. I go, I live in a very, I mean, I live in Marvel. I live in a quintessential, like happy go lucky town. And I'm usually never alone running. There's always someone out there running, but there are, you hear about the Charles river, the, the college students, you hear so much about those. So many young women getting attacked in areas that are like, I mean, sometimes even at four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, what, when should someone consider taking a martial arts class or what are basic things that they should really be aware of when they're taking of finding that right class? Because there are so many of them. You can Google them. You don't know which ones are the right ones. I know I like what in one of my really dear friends, she was at, if she lives in Stoughton, she was coming out of the supermarket and she got attacked really, really badly during the day. She got really attacked and she like, she carries on mace and I panic because I'm like, dude, I go that mace, like that, like that freaks me out because what if you're just kind of grabbing it at one day and it just goes off the wrong, in the wrong way? So how does one find the proper class that will fit a situation where they can protect themselves? Um, and also how does a company find a, the right person to bring into their company to like create these courses for, hey, hey, we're bringing this like specialist into our class, into our business to show you that we care about our employees. Good question. Um, currently, I do not teach adults. I'm the only instructor. I have a black belt that trained at the same studio as me. He's a college kid getting his master's degree. Um, so I have him as an assistant teacher, which is great to have another adult. Um, but I just don't have the capability right now to be teaching 
an adult class on top of all the other classes I'm teaching. I'd like to get there, but I'm just not there yet. And, and you can't just like go on Craigslist and find a black belt, you know, for a, you know, help wanted sign. <laughs> well, Doesn't work well, that way. Well, what, but just, just, I mean, like, how does one find that at all? I mean, like, I mean, I, I wasn't asking per se for you, but I was just saying overall, because there's so many times that people hear a conversation about martial arts and they're like, I go, I want, I want to get in there or companies, I got HR department, uh, they're looking for activities they're looking for something to bring into the company. How does one even begin to find the right person? I mean, because like you said, like you don't go on Craigslist, but guess what? Google could be just as bad as Craigslist because it's a cesspool of stuff. So right. how does one find the right, like what are the, what are two or three criteria that someone should be looking for when they're looking for a person that should be teaching? I think an instructor that you can trust, first of all, right? Um, someone that's positive, because there's a lot of instructors out there, I think, in the martial arts world that aren't so positive. Um, and I would, you know, I don't advertise. Everything I do is word of mouth. From one mom to another mom, the word gets out. And so I would think that just like word of mouth, asking people, who, you know, do you know anyone that would be a good fit for this or would be the best way, someone that's already, you know, done it before or had a class brought in or. And what about credentials? Like what are the credentials that people should have when you're, I mean, like, are there, I mean, is there, are there specific credentials for the individual that's teaching you? Um, There are self-defense credentials for people that teach self-defense classes. You have to be like certified in self-defense. Okay. So um, I have to sit there and say, like, when you're saying it's certified. <laughs> what are certified versus like the there's, there's class. Well, there's classes out there. Just like if you're going to be a certified yoga teacher, you're going to be a certified bar teacher, right? You have to go through the training and the classes in order to be certified in order to properly teach it. Is that usually the, the, I mean, because if um, I'm looking for a class, I mean, like, should I be looking for someone that's certified or? Absolutely. Okay. Cause that's, that's what, that, that's what I was trying to get to in regards of like, I go with the certification in regards of like, who am I looking for? What kind of cert- certification should they have that should be like the automatic, like, Oh, look, they have this, I, this is where I'm definitely going to go. So are, are there specific ones? There are. And off the top of my head, I don't actually know what they are. I myself am not certified in self-defense. I teach Taekwondo and we do host and steal, which is, you know, learning different locks and different ways to get a get away, but I'm not actually certified myself in self-defense. So I'm not exactly sure. So what do you teach specifically and who would be your ideal student? Hmm. My ideal student is any child, (laughs) uh, three and up. And, uh, what was the other part of the question? Um, Sorry. Your ideal student in, um, oh my goodness. So your ideal student and, um, and what exactly do you teach? My ideal student, I think any child is an ideal student. Like I've had kids that have behavior problems. I've had kids that are sweet as honey, right? Like, but they all get something out of it. Um, So, you know, I I really teach to the tenets of Taekwondo, which is self-control, courtesy, integrity, perseverance, and indomitable spirit. And we really work on all those things in each kid. Beautiful. Oh my goodness gracious. I think that more people need to understand that you, one, you exist um, and what you're doing, but also just the whole entire concept of the fact that you, I mean, you built a business during the pandemic. And I think that's one of the things that people keep forgetting that it's, it's not that it's easy. This, I mean, building a business and you're seeing the ebbs and flows, building a business is not the easiest thing in the world to do, but with the right people behind you and with the passion that you have, it is doable. It is definitely doable. What advice would you give to someone that is looking to start their own business? I mean, whether it is floral, whether it is, I mean, art shop, whether it's like a bakery, like it, a business is a business, a business, because you have to, what you're passionate about, but you still have to do the financials. You have to do the marketing. You have to do like all these other things that is not what you're known for, but you need these things to be part of, to make sure that what you're passionate about succeeds. So what advice from what you've gotten um, so far, 
what advice would you give to someone that's starting to like, they're listening to this right now and they're like thinking it's, I think it's my time, but where should I start? What should I do? Like, what were, what were the biggest things that the biggest takeaways that you got that you were like, I didn't see this one coming and I'm happy that I know it now. Hmm. When you first asked me about the takeaways, I thought about that advice about starting slow, you know, that, that was really great advice for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually don't take things slow. I usually go from like zero to a hundred fast. Um, so I had to hold myself back a few times. Um, but you know, you you talk about the passion and I, I just was so passionate about what I do and the changes that I see in the kids when they do Taekwondo. I had, I had a mom that sent me an email. Thank you for what you do. You, my kids now use positive self-talk at home. And I thought, I didn't even know I was teaching positive self-talk like and she was like she's seen such a change in her kids and how they talk about themselves uh-huh. because you know we do pot we do a lot of positive stuff um but you know just believe in yourself right like I believed in what I was doing from the beginning and I was lucky enough to have a family that believed in me too and a husband mm-hmm. who does financials because I am not a financial person whatsoever I can't even balance a checkbook so <laughs> I'm lucky that I have him taking care of that end because we'd be a mess if we didn't. Um, so it's just, just make sure your foundation is good, right? Like you, you're selling something that is sellable, right? How many, how many stores open and you go in there and you're like, this place is never going to make it. You know, like what, what are they selling? What's the concept? What's like, it doesn't make sense, whatever it is. Um, but you've got to have the foundation and you've got to really believe and you've got to work really, really, really hard. <laughs> I've never worked harder than I have in the last two years. I'm up all night thinking and worrying and running around like a crazy person and driving two hours to pick up more wood because we are out of woods to break boards. And like, it's just every day something different. Right. And communicating with the families and like the things that I didn't think, like I'd sit here for three hours and answer emails. I never thought that that was going to be part of my business. Right. But I want to make sure that I'm very communicative and that they know, and I get back to them in a timely fashion. A lot of people respond back. Thank you for getting back to me in a timely fashion. And I think, do people not do that? Like They don't like, like literally you, <laughs> I, I could send out an email and I mean, and the, I mean, the phone is right there. I mean, like everything is right. I can answer you. Um, it's shocking where I can wait two, three, four days. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I think like, well, maybe they're not interested. And a week later, they're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm like, whoa, what really? And they're like, oh, well, I saw your email, but all you have to do is say, I'll get back to you. Right. And they they right. don't. Right. I work really hard at making sure I stay on top of that. Cause that's how I get all my new students, right? They go, go to my website. It says to email me if you're interested. They say, I've got two emails this weekend for, you know, interested students. And I want to make sure that I get right back to them, give them the information they need so that they know that I'm very responsive. Sometimes it's hard, but sometimes on the weekends I say, mm, I'll do it on Monday. I got, I need to take this weekend off or whatever, but I try well, to get back to them soon. Well, you just like, like I have two more questions for you, but that's one, something that you just said. Um, you took the time off. Sometimes you have to take the time off. Um, most people, when they like, because I mean, you just said in within a sentence, I'm I don't sleep. I'm constantly thinking about how the business. I'm I'm going 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 going. I took the weekend off. When do you realize when it's time to stop? I think that small business owners don't stop. They just keep going 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 going. When was it free? What, what, what made it where I need to take a breather for me? I think just watching my dad, right? Like my dad, you know, had this small office supply in the small town and he worked super hard at it. You know, I, my sister and I taught, you know, family business again, we used to lick the stamps when you had to lick the stamps and put them on the invoices for him to send out for billing at the end of every month. You know, my mom would sit there on the typewriter and type up the invoices. I can still remember that so well. Um, But as more commercial businesses started coming into our little town and you got the big box stores coming in, my dad had to start changing his business plan to keep up with them. And that meant nights and weekends and 
you know, it, it literally like, it was so hard for him to give up his family time, but he had to, cause he's competing against Staples and Office Max and yeah. they're open all the time, right? So be able to compete, he had to open, you know, longer hours, more days. And I, I watched him do that. And I just, my family's too precious to me. I work too hard to build this family. And I don't, you know, some points I just have to say, like today when we had the, the interview, Matthew was coming and I wanted to see Matthew. I only get to see him maybe once a week if I'm lucky, you know? And that's why I was like, hey, can we switch it? Because I wanted to see him for that 20 minutes that he was here to pick up his dog, right? Um, so I gotta, I, I have to constantly remind myself too, like what my priorities are. And uh, it was a busy week last week. And I just said, you know, today I'm just gonna sit on the couch and read and not answer these emails and, I that just made every once in a while goes a long ways. Well, that just made me so happy just just to know that. Um, see, this is why it's full circle. Where I asked you about your where you came from, and look how you brought it back perfectly to the end. Where it's a reminder. I mean, sometimes we forget that the way that we were raised and what we saw it's still part of us. I mean, and it, it we design our lives because of what we've gone through positive, negative, whatever is we've designed our lives now. It's the way that we would like to see it. And I'm sure like your sister's life is designed di dramatically different. Um, you grew up the same way, but designed di di differently. It's like what you perceive from um, when you're growing up. But I do love that. You know, I'm, I'm obsessed with my friend, friends and family, like obsessed. Like if I don't hear from you, I start stalking you and everyone's like, really? I go, I go, I see the weather. I didn't see you. I didn't see you post anything on social. I just want to make sure you got home safely. Everyone's like, you're funny. I go, it's, it's, I'm, I love you guys. I, go, I, I, I've had family and friends that are no longer with us. I go, and it, it hurts your heart when they're no longer here. So while they're here, yeah, I tell you, I go, I'm going to stalk you while you're here. So it is what it is. Um, last question. I always end this way. I love, I mean, I love this. I love getting to know you, even though I know you, um, which is, <laughs> making me, which is making me so, it really is making me so happy. Um, cause I get to, I do, I get to see you. I'm very lucky. I get to see you on social media. I get to see you on every summer live, but I, I love, I love these conversations because I get to really like get to know who you are well beyond the other, other ways. But I always say this isn't going to be the last time we talk because as the podcast is not going away from what I know, it's not going away. And so I want to make sure that people know how your company is growing um, and constantly promote you. But um, the way that we end every single time that I talk to you, it will always be if you had a personal ask, and a professional ask of anyone that's listening to you right now, what would be your personal ask and what would be your professional ask? My professional ask would be that if you know of a small business, open your doors, open your hearts, help them out. So many people helped me out along this journey that I never saw coming. People I didn't even know were like, yeah, you can come use this field or yeah, you can come use this pavilion whenever you want. Or like people, they loved what I was doing and they were very open to allowing me to use their space or whatever it was. And it was so helpful. I'm so grateful. I give back to the town. I work with the town social worker now providing classes for children in need that can't afford it as my gratitude back all these people that were so kind and gracious to me. I'm going to get teary now um, because I couldn't have done it without them. I really couldn't have. And these strangers have become my friends now, right? Um, and they've just been big supporters of what we've been doing. Um, my that was my, was that my business ask? Or my no, no. Ask? I don't know. <laughs> well, you, well, you said the professional, so I wasn't sure. So I'm like, I'll let you go. So you can do, per that was your professional, or that could have been your personal. That could, it sounded like more personal. Yeah. It, you know, I, I just always remember my dad, you know, saying like, support small businesses, you know, like he, he gave back so much to his community. It was crazy. And uh, so I, I, I have my eyes open, like at Christmas time, I was trying to shop the little stores, you know, like that really need that extra sale, right? Um, my personal ask, or is that, I guess that was my business ask, so my personal ask. I don't know, Jody. Um, people to get involved, 
right? You and I would have never met each other never. if we didn't get involved and help out at this camp. That's amazing. And uh, if you're involved, you all these people come into your life, right? That just makes your life better. So thank you for coming into my life. I, you know what? I have to, I'm going to agree 100% with that one because um, my girlfriend, Lisa, um, Lisa Willis, Lisa Roberts Willis, she worked for Jamie Moyer um, and the, the Moyer Foundation, um, what it was, what it used to be called. And um, she had been asking me for years, like, you should volunteer at this camp. You've worked at camps. You're a camp director. You're a CIT director. You should definitely. And I'm like, I, go, ah, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. And I remember the week that my dad died. She called and said, are you ready to work at the camp yet? And I'm like, sign me up because she knew. And I haven't left. And like, literally, I've been there ever since. So for it's like this next, like literally in the coming weeks, um, literally, it's going to be seven years since my dad died. And I have the greatest of friends. I mean, literally, like you, camp, camp overall, whenever you go to camp, the kids that you make friends at camp are not like your neighbors. It's like you, it's like it's the relationship that you have with kids at camp are like so special. It's so different than the kid that I grew up with next door all my life. It's just like, it's a different relationship, but the kids at camp, it's like, I don't know. It's you, you get closer faster. The people, oh, faster, at, yeah. yeah, the people that are at camp. Oh my God. It's like, it's, it's the, we have, we are a family. We're a family. I mean, and I've worked at other camps in the same way. Every Within 24 we're, hours, we're a family. Yeah. My yeah. Friday night dinner. Everyone's like, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's so funny because um, we don't know what we do in their real lives, which is something that I forget because when we're at camp, we're there for the kids. And so I don't know. I didn't like literally like, other than you. I mean, I really don't know what anyone does. I mean, I'm sorry, the nurses, the nurses and you, <laughs> everyone else is, we're just kind of, we're just kind of there. And right. I got a card in the mail, like snail mail, which was wonderful from Nancy, one of the nurses, Nancy, she sent me a card and she goes, I saw you in the Boston Globe. I had no idea what you did. I was going to call you or email you, but I figured I'm going to send you a card. And I was like, blubbering. Like, I mean, what? Like, what do you mean? So I sent her a thank you card for her thank you card. And she just sent me another card because she thought the thank you card was so cool that she had to send me a card. And I'm like, this is going to be our thing now that we're just going to send. We're going to keep thanking each other until we see each other for next summer. But I thought it was just the sweetest thing because She's like, it's the, we, she's like, I have no idea what anyone does. She goes, all I know is Jody high energy. One year, Jody got stung in the eye by a bee. Yes, I got stung in the eye by a bee one, one year. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> everyone, everyone remembers that. It's like, it was the most random, for anyone that's listening, random, I'm wearing sunglasses. A bee literally went into sunglasses, stung me in the eye, like literally hours before the kids came in and my eye was the size of a balloon. And my camper was like, uh, you're going to be with me. I'm like, I am, and I'm on Benadryl. Yay! <laughs> so yeah, so I, it, you guys are the greatest people in my life. I mean, like, I mean, you came at the right time, and yet all the things that we do for the kids and all the—I mean, it's the most special place on this planet. So I'm happy that you came to my life, Miss Lisa. I agree. And, and you're here on my my fun little podcast. You're here, and you're a business owner. You are a business owner like your dad. Yep. I did it. Somehow I did it. Full circle all the way with, with adult children, with a true love by your side. You, you nailed it. So I'm so proud of you. And I'm, I'm just happy Thank that you. I get to hear. I'm happy I get to hear the entire story and stuff like that. And by the way, your sister, what does your sister think? I mean, is your mom and dad still with, and your dad's not with us, but is your mom still with us? My sister's name is Anne. I have a brother named Mark too. Um, well, do, what do they think about you owning your own business? My sister helps out too <laughs> from afar. She lives in Illinois, but like I just had banners made for our new studio and she did it at a local place that we know the owner and she's, they're supposed to arrive FedEx any minute now. She shipped them out to me. So I'd have my new banners and um, so she's involved too. That's awesome. And what about your brother? My brother lives in Oregon and uh, his daughter, Cora, I've done some Zoom classes with, which is really fun because when would I have ever thought that I could teach Cora on the West Coast, right? And so uh, for Christmas, all she wanted, you'll like this, all she wanted for Christmas was boards to break. <laughs> Girl after your own heart. <laughs> I love so she it. got she got some pajamas and some boards to break and her own Taekwondo uniform now. So when she takes classes with Aunt Lisa, she can wear her uniform. 
That is, see, it's a family affair all the way. And it started from, started from your dad all the way through and you kept the, the entire family in the, this is, that's awesome. Yay. Yay. You. Yeah. Now I got to go make it through three classes today. <laughs> you're, you're awesome. Um, well, all right. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your story. Thanks for just your nuggets of gold because I go, I go, this is one of the things where you probably didn't even realize it all the, uh, well, other than when I asked you directly, you're giving all this information and all the things that you learned. And that's like what people are needing to hear. Like a business is not easy. A small business is definitely not easy. A small business during a pandemic. Holy crap. Seriously. So thank you. Outside thank you so the box. Much. You just got to keep thinking outside the box. <laughs> Always and forever. Lisa, thank you so very much. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy your classes. And until next time. All right. Bye, Jody. Bye.